listening to Get Well with Kel, an avenue for women to connect on life's challenges and encourage one another. Welcome back to Get Well with Kel. Today I have a special guest with me. She is a phenomenal woman, somebody I actually grew up with, Mrs. Andrea Armstead. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm happy that you're here with us today. Um, we have a special topic and it is about sickle cell anemia, um, sickle cell disease. And I am um, really happy that you're here to bring not only information to us, but also awareness and to give us a little bit more background on how this relates to you. Well, again, thank you. Sickle cell anemia is near and dear to my heart. Um, my sister was born with sickle cell anemia 60 three years ago. And then my daughter was born with sickle cell disease as well. Sickle cell is um, a, a genetic blood disorder that um, impacts uh, your organs. It's, it's known for painful crises in the joints and other parts of your body. And uh, it's life-threatening. It is um, a disease that has been around for a while, but diag- you know, researchers found out about the abnormally shaped genes a uh, couple, I mean, numerous decades ago, and very little has been done or had been done in terms of research. But I'm happy um, to get into questions later about researching where we are. But again, sickle cell has been with my family, unfortunately, for years. And um, I started a foundation, the Armstead Barnhill Foundation for Sickle Cell Anemia, to do something about it, to bring greater awareness of the disease and um, interest from the general population so they can donate and um, provide a voice that we need a cure. So being on this podcast definitely helps us in furthering our goal of creating greater public awareness so happy that you're here to bring that to us. And thank you for sharing a little bit of the background and how it um, relates to you. So it's really good for us to know. Um, Besides receiving that first diagnosis, right, from your daughter, what was the first symptom or complication that you saw? So sickle cell usually presents itself in about six months in a child. And um, it's because when they're born, they have have fetal, so childlike hemoglobin, which is fetal blood. And that is blood that has normally shaped or normal shaped cells. When they get older, those cells start to sickle. Therefore, the name sickle cell anemia. So it was first um, recognized as a symptom to me with my daughter, Leah, um, at about six months when she just started. Well, maybe it might have been a little bit longer, maybe closer to a year because she was walking and she was limping around and uh, said that her leg hurt. And so that's how we determined um, it was a problem. Frankly, I didn't think it was sickle cell. I took her to a doctor. They did an x-ray and said that it was a, a sickle cell crisis. Wow. And and that must have been difficult to hear. So um, what did you feel in that moment when they told you that it was a sickle cell crisis? Well, again, for the first at, at diagnosis, I was devastated, crying like any mother would. And um, for the first year, actually boohooed, boohooed. And um, 
after that first year, I made a determination that I am a strong Black woman and I have talents. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not in the medical field, but I know how to articulate and advocate and write for my child. So as a result of not depending on others to take care of my little lady, we, along with her father, uh, Lee Barnhill, started the Armstead Barnhill Foundation for Sickle Cell Anemia, which is a charitable concern, 501c3, which is a charitable organization with the purpose of raising money to find a cure. And that was done at when she was one, and she's 31 now. So it's been in existence for 30 years. 30 years wow. of hard work um, and donating and donating our contributions to sickle cell researchers. I love that story of like overcoming, you know, like you said, the boohoo. We all have those phases where we're just like sad, right? And it's, it is something that, that impacts us. But you said, no, I'm going to turn this around for the good and I'm going to bring awareness and I'm going to try to get a cure for my baby. And that's awesome. And I, I really applaud you for doing that. That is. Thank you. That is something I will remember anytime I'm going through something. How yeah. did Mrs. Armstead get through it? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm glad because it really, it really makes a difference. You know, boohooing is essential mm-hmm. to um, no matter what you're going through, but, you know, give yourself the time for that and then keep on moving, move in yeah. a positive direction. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right. So um, you described the the first symptom that she had and and how that changed. But what were some of the lifestyle changes that you also needed to modify um, because of the diagnosis? So one of the, several things, uh, patients or children and adults with sickle cell have to stay hydrated because they didn't, you know, that liquid helps the sickle, the misshapen cells to get through the blood vessels. So drinking. Now you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you grew up with us. You grew up with my daughter, Leah, and I'm sure you always remember that she always had a water bottle with her. Always had a water bottle. And to this day, she always has a water bottle. And um, she has to, so so everybody with sickle cell has to stay hydrated. And that's something you can do on your own. You don't have to wait for a doctor to tell you to drink the water. So you drink your water, drink your water, and then drink some more water when you think you've had enough. So that's one of the things. Sickle cell is also impacted by changes in the weather. So when it's really, really hot, you really should not be out with your child um, because that can cause a crisis. And if it's really, really cold, you shouldn't really be out. So that that was disappointing to Leah when she was young. It was really hot. I, I wouldn't let her go out and play. She had to stay in the air conditioning. And unlike most kids, I really didn't like her playing in the snow. But, you know, you have to live. So I would bundle her up. I mean, bundle her up and she would go outside. To this day, she says she had on about four coats when everybody else had on maybe a sweater. <laughs> but it kept there. <laughs> I, I mean, and what was so important, and I just like to thank you, Rachel, for this, you and your mom. Um, you know, kids will make fun of kids. You know, why do you have water bottles? Mm-hmm. She used to tell me that they would punch holes in her water bottle at school and it would sit there leaking on her desk. And when she had um, all those coats on, people would laugh at her. Um, but there are people, you know, like you who were, you know, kind. 
and played with her anyway. And there were days when I just would not let her out the house. And in school, she couldn't do recess. Mm-hmm. And she had people go with her to the library and sit with her in the library because she couldn't go out. So people mm-hmm. are kind. You just have to, you know, say, look, this is what's going on. And you just teach your kids to be kind. Yeah. Yeah. We do have to teach our kids to be kind. I I know that autism isn't necessarily sickle cell disease, but I have an autistic child. So I know there's going to be a moment where he's going to get made fun of. Kids aren't going to understand, you know, how he is, but I'm going to teach him that he needs to be kind and also encourage the parents around to that, that's to exactly right. Too. Yeah, you got to teach him that he is special in his own way. And that's what we taught Leah. You know, yeah. she's very special in her own way. The Lord bought your son and, and our daughter to be here for a reason. Yes. Yeah, and that reason, we don't always know what the reason is, but they have purpose. You know, they are, you know, individuals that the whole community can look up to. You know, you have to deal with what the Lord has given you and you stand up and you, you know, you go forward and, and you produce, you know, whatever it is you're supposed to do in this life and you do it well. Amen. Yes. I will mm-hmm. remember that. <laughs> um, all right. So you did tell us that, you know, you had to overcome and how you coped with um, the challenges of having a child with sickle cell disease. But um, it, it, talk to me a little bit more about your experience in working with the researchers, right? So you created this foundation and it kind of gets you on the front lines to any innovation and any changes. So what has that been like? So everybody needs a purpose. <laughs> and of course, my, you know, I didn't know what my purpose was before, but I certainly found out what it was after Leah was born. Uh, and that was, you know, my quest to, for the greater public awareness and to find a cure. So it's interesting. This is going to date me. Uh, 30 years ago, <laughs> I'm sitting when the Yellow Pages telephone book used to be out. Not everything was on a computer. And I just sat through uh, and looked through the um, Yellow Pages and found sick of cell researchers in the Yellow Pages um, at Johns Hopkins Hospital, which is in Baltimore, which was, you know, the closest hospital yeah. um, that so I knew of. And, and just found a researcher and called them up. We had our first fundraising event. Uh, it was very small. It was at some at a forum, and um, we had sickle cell researchers come and talk. This gentleman, Dr. George Dover, answered my call. He literally was sitting in his cubicle at Johns Hopkins. He was a researcher, came and talked to us, and we presented our first grant of $500. And this man came out on a Saturday and, and was so grateful to get the $500. Now our grants average about $10,000. And um, this doctor, believe it or not, was instrumental along with a coworker in finding the medication that helps to keep uh, Leah healthy. And so that's a full story. He became not only the researcher in the back of the Johns Hopkins lab, he became a, the head of pediatrics at Johns Hopkins. And he's a world-renowned sickle cell researcher. And to this day, I mean, we keep in touch with him and we love him because he is the reason why Leah does well. So you just wow. never know. And, and, and one thing I also want to say, I mentioned that I wanted to, um, you know, to, to colleagues, that mm-hmm. I wanted to have a foundation 
to find a cure for sickle cell. And so many people say, oh, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. And I didn't listen to them. And to this day, we've given uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to the sickle cell researchers. Wow, that's right. Don't let people tell you you can because you absolutely can. You can, you can, you certainly can. I love that story. I didn't even know that this doctor is basically why Leah's feeling, you know, is doing better. It's That's interesting. So impactful. The uh, medication she's on is called hydroxyurea. And get this, Rachel, it is a cancer drug. So really? it just lets you know that you know, there are many drugs that can have multiple purposes. And they went through clinical trials and determined that this drug was one of the first drugs at all that could be used to help ease um, painful crises in sickle cell patients. Oh my goodness! I know it's overwhelming. I'm, yes. I'm so, yeah. I'm I'm just like first of all the yellow pages. Let's just start with that. I know. I know. It's come <laughs> a long way. Yeah. <laughs> We tell that story all the time and he laughs all the time about that. It's funny. Oh my goodness. That's great. Yeah. And you're right. John Hopkins was the closest hospital to to us to be able to have those sorts of research researchers. So that's incredible. You told me a little bit about your foundation and what it's about, but are there any initiatives that you guys have for the new year that you want everybody to be aware of? Um, just yeah, a little bit more. About again, that. I want to mention that we're all volunteers, so nobody gets paid at all. And we're always looking for more volunteers. Um, and yes, we do have numerous um, initiatives going on. But right now, we're actually doing a, a major pivot. At one time, and up until now, we basically just gave sickle cell research funding. We gave our funding to um, research that was sort of in the infancy stages. But we've now determined that there are a lot of initiatives, major initiatives that are going out towards new drugs, gene therapy, um, stem cell research, those type of things your um, your audience may have heard of. And that's true for any, any um, affliction, same thing with autism. There's a lot going on in the gene therapy arena. So as a result, there are numerous clinical trials that are being um, conducted. And what we as a foundation have just decided is that we need to take our monies to see how we can further sickle cell clinical trials. Now, like NIH and um, major medical institutions in the Northeast and the West Coast have trials going on, and they have money. They've received funding. So what is our $10,000 grant going to do? What it can help do is help those individuals who are participating in the trials. Trials for sickle cell anemia oftentimes um, impact a person's ability to go to work because they're in this trial. They may have to have a clinical environment or may have to have their immune system wiped so they can get new you know, immunities. And they may be out of work for a month or more. And who can afford to be off of work for a month? You know, who is going to yeah. be able to help with the child care, transportation, mm-hmm. these type of things. So what we want to do is contact the uh, clinical trial leads and say, what are the needs? And if the needs are patient 
assistance to help pay their rent because they're participating in the trials. We want to do that. And we feel like that's all part of research because if a researcher cannot get people to participate in the trial because they can't leave their kids or they can't pay their rent, then you don't have the data needed from the clinical trial to get the procedure or the new drug approved by the FDA. So that's, we're very, very excited about that at this point. And, um, you know, all that's made possible by donations, you know, donations by people such as your um, audience. Yes. So that brings up a great point. So in addition to us um, having this podcast, we will be sending out the links directly to your foundation so that our audience members can um, support you guys in this initiative of helping the people that are in the trials, right? Like you said, it's important for them to feel like they're be also being taken care of. They're they're focused on their physical health, but like there's also things going on in their lives, like paying their mortgages, taking care of their kids, ensuring that, you know, there's food in the house. So these are all important aspects as well. So um, we will be sharing the link to your, your, your site there. I wanted to let you know a few items that I also found in doing my research ahead of our call. So a lot of Brazilians in my community are not necessarily aware of what sickle cell disease is. And I wanted you to know that about 4% of our population has the sickle cell trait. So I am one. I actually have the sickle cell trait. So does my daughter. And so I think it's really important that we bring this awareness because it will affect uh, not just us, but our future generations as well. And we want to make sure that even if they have it, that there is a sort of, um, not even a sort of, that there is treatment, that there is a cure, that they can get better and they can feel like themselves. Um, And so according to... um, uh, a medical article, um, the mortality rate in Brazil between 2000 and 2018 was around 9,817 deaths. Um, and so that occurred right in the 19-year period. But just so that our audience knows, this is impactful. It does affect the people um, within our country as well. So um, I, I had a few more questions for you. So in addition to supporting your organization um, with with um, funds, how else as a community can we bring awareness to this? Is there any walks that we can be a part of? Is there any um, ongoing uh, efforts elsewhere as well that we can we can help out? We want to do the best we can. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, there are several sickle cell organizations. There's a national sickle cell organization. All you have to do is Google those um, organizations. Uh, I really am a proponent of less all of us, if we all work together, we can find a cure. Um, so that's something that can be done in terms of walks. So I'm saying Bon Hill does not do walks, but I'm sure that there are um, walks done in a more geographic proximity to wherever your audience may be. They just need to look up Sickle Cell Walk and find out where they are. Those monies should, in fact, be going to Sickle Cell Research if they participate in the walk. But more importantly is is word of mouth. Uh, do How do you talk to people? You, know, you can go to your church groups. You can you know invite people onto the podcast. Get the word out there that Sickle Cell is life-threatening and it we're close to a cure, but we can only get a cure if people talk about it and help to fund it. Uh, 
one of the things we've done is we've had um, red bands that said, um, you know, sickle cell awareness or cure sickle cell now. And we put our website on it. I meant to bring my band. Uh, my sister's going to get hers. And if anybody's interested in helping, you know, the cause, they can write to us on the website or, you know, get my information from you, Rachel, and basically get a band and just help spread. My sister has hers. Okay. It's just oh, okay. A, a simple band that says, has our website on it. And it, you know, if you're wearing your band and people are asking, what is it? So mm-hmm. it's just a campaign to get the word out. And if they can get to our website, they'll see that there's a lot of information on sickle cell. And we just got to get the word out that is is not a cure yet. There's not a cure yet, but we can get one. We can. So we can. they um, ask for a band, we'll send it out. They can bring it, send a donation with it if they like. But, you know, <laughs> we still send the information out because we want the word out that we need a cure. And, and our, our motto is together we can find a cure. I love that. We can. Yeah. We can. This is a community and a village and we will get there. We will get there That's together. Exactly I love right. that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you um, giving me insight into this journey that you've been on for the last 31 years, right? That's right. 31 years. Right. Um, I have to say that I, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have grown up with you. Your mother had a huge impact in my life. You know, she took took very good care of me and and was my tutor. Exactly. <laughs> so, and you're and so I, brilliant. So she did a great job. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And to Celia, I know she's doing great things now. So kudos to you for always um, being positive and having a, a beautiful outlook on life and being determined to bring your daughter into a, a good future. And I see that now. And I I take it as inspiration. So I'm going to do that now for my babies. Alrighty. And make sure that they will be well taken care of. <laughs> Nothing like Always. a mama bear. <laughs> Nothing like a mama bear. That's for sure. <laughs> And that's our episode for today. If you're interested in learning more about the Armstead Barnhill Foundation, definitely check out our website. We will also be posting information about donations on our Instagram account. Take care and I'll talk to you soon.